and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Top Dog Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Marino. Alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie. Dan, holy crap, Georgia's repeat national champions, the first repeat national champion in college football since 2012-2011 when Alabama did it. As we all know, we've talked about it for a long time. It's been an episode we've been waiting for for a long time. An episode that we've been kind of building up to since February where me and you came together and decided, hey, we need to do the show and we're going to do it every week. Uh, well, as long as I'm here, we're going to do it every week. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to miss some episodes. But with that being said, Dan, how are you doing this beautiful Tuesday evening, 7.32? We are two minutes late, but that's okay. Uh, I'm feeling like a champion today. Not only that, I'm feeling like a two-time champion today. And it is a great time to be alive. I was actually talking to my buddy Richard uh, today on the phone. And, uh, you know, he mentioned a couple of years ago, we wondered if we would ever see a championship in our lifetime because everything looked like it was going in the right direction and then something tragic would happen. And here we are, two-time champions. So, man, I, what a great time to be alive. That's a, that's a, a great line by Rudes. What a great freaking time to be alive. And if you're a Braves fan, you're talking about three championships in the last two years. How about it? Absolutely. How about them dogs? I was hoping, I don't know about you, Dan, but I was hoping we would kind of get a repeat baseball with the Braves, get a repeat with Georgia in the same year, just have another great year. But hey, I'm not complaining. 2023 is off to a great start. Georgia are national champions. In celebration of that last night, Dan, I opened up one of these. Opened nice. up one of these. I've decided for every championship Georgia wins, we open a Coke bottle. That's that's going to be the new deal. And, hey, going to have to get some new new one of these. I, I thought you bought me some, and I still don't I do have, have a case sitting around for you, man. I <laughs> do have a case sitting around for you. So, But, hey, maybe, maybe I'll bring two cases, Dan. Maybe I'll bring the new one and then the old one. All right. So, Hey, that's that's a good deal. But with that being said, Dan, we have a show to get into. And first off, I do want to hit it at the top of the show because it is it did change and it changed kind of kind of late on us. But hey, we adjust, we are adaptable, we we are flexible. We had to call an audible today, uh, due to scheduling issues on our side of things. Uh, Aaron Murray would join the show as our guest on Thursday, at eight p.m. Uh, we're, we're, we're He's really a busy man. He's a he's a really busy man, so like we're, we'll take him when we can get him. Absolutely, and we're gonna get him Thursday night, eight p.m. I'm sorry if you joined us uh, and didn't see the news tonight, but hey, stick around. We're gonna have a great show. Be interact with us. We're gonna get your take. We always want to get your take. With that being said, Dan, let's talk about this national championship game. We have three minutes in already. It is it is a full recap show, guys. Thoughts, reactions. That is all we're here for tonight. Then on Thursday, be prepared to ask some questions to Aaron Murray. Yes, we will be doing live Q&A with Aaron Murray after me and Dan get through uh, with kind of what we got planned for what we want to talk about with Aaron. So with that being said, guys, Dan, let's get your thoughts on this beautiful national championship game. You know, it was so uncharacteristic of anything Georgia slash Atlanta related because there's always drama involved with everything that we do. And more times than not, uh, it ends very poorly for us. Now, last year was the first time that it ended really, really well. It was amazing. Um, I loved every second of that, you know, the way that it ended last year. Um, but then, of course, we had to deal with this entire year of just, if this would have happened, y'all would have lost. This would have happened, blah, 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 just nonsense. Yesterday's game 
was a three-hour infomercial slash coronation for University of Georgia. I think it's the first time in my entire life that I've watched a game and I didn't bitch about anything. I had nothing to complain about. I mean, even the blown coverage by um, by Bullard, like I didn't, I really didn't even care because I knew it was okay. And you know, we had talked um, all week. You know, we, the, we had two shows last week, and, and we talked about. You know, for me anyway, my biggest concern was that Georgia was not going to take them seriously. And that was my only apprehension, was that Georgia wouldn't take them seriously and, and come out ready to play. The minute I saw Kirby's pregame with um, uh, Holly Rowe, and she said, how do you expect your guys to play tonight? And he said, aggressive. She said, do you care to elaborate on that? And he goes, it's time to go hunt. I was like, holy, I was in a room full of people. I said, holy crap, we're going to kick the shit out of them. And they were like, <laughs> you like crazy. I'm like, did you see the look in his eyes? He's ready to rip somebody's throat out right now. And I, like in Georgia came out that way. They attacked. Um, TCU could not catch their breath. It was amazing. I, I've never had that much fun watching a game. And I know the, the talk today was it was boring, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a crap. Um, was- lowest rating of a national championship game. Your mic dipped out again. Anyway, I'll pick you up right here. So yeah, it was just it was an incredible, an incredible night. Um, I don't care about the ratings. I don't care about any of that. I know if you're in here right now watching this show, you didn't give a crap about the ratings either. It was such an amazing, amazing night where. It, you know, everything seemed to go well. Nobody got hurt. There was no drama involved in the game. And we just got to see our guys just run up and down the field and absolutely destroy TCU. It was such an amazing night. I, I loved every last second of it. And I don't know about you guys. And tell me in the comments, did you turn it off? Did you go to bed? Or did you stay up and watch? Like, I stayed up and watched. And I wanted to celebrate. And I wanted I wanted to enjoy every single second of it. Like, I could not turn the post-game stuff off, even though it was starting to repeat. I just really wanted to soak it all in because, you know, last year uh, was so um, dramatic and just like I, I was an emotional wreck at the end of that game that like I, I don't know that I really enjoyed it in the moment um, because I was just so overwhelmed. Um, but last night it was just three hours of a grin on my face. I just had the biggest grin on my face and I could not get it off. And and like I told you, I was talking to my buddy Richard on the phone today and he said the same thing. He said, I just sat there on the couch smiling, just smiling. And I I mean, tell me guys in in the comments, tell me what was your, how did you watch the game? Were you, did you get bored with it or were you just loving every second of it? Because I know I did. And you know, it started, um, You know, if you remember back to the Ohio State game, and you're absolutely right, Ohio State pissed us off. We came ready to play. But if you go back to the Ohio State game, um, remember when Stetson pulled it, and it should have been a give uh, to McIntosh, which he would have walked in. When Stetson pulled it, and he just – and boy, was he hauling ass. When he pulled it, and he got in the end zone untouched, I was like, my man is dialed in tonight. My man is dialed in tonight. And he did not disappoint. Harrison, I I loved every second of it. Go ahead, buddy. Absolutely, and we text about it, you know, after the first play. First off, can you hear me now? Yes, you're perfect. Okay, okay. Let's. I, I I found a setting. We'll adjust with it. But anyways, technical issues still have happening on my side. But with that being said, yeah, yes, we Dan, will, Zach. I, 
we, we, we texted you about it. We were texting about it, Dan. After he pulled that for a touchdown, I was like, Dan, in, in just a few plays, he already made up for the pull last week or the decision to pull it last week, just just in a few plays. And from that moment on, it was it was it was it was greatness. I mean, I was watching a quarterback who looked like he kind of took a you know back step back in time and kind of looked like what he did in 2020 in the third quarter against Ohio State to reappearing in the fourth quarter and looking like the Heisman finalist that we watched him all year long to carrying that over straight into the TCU game. I mean, right out of the gate, Georgia was hot. Like you said, Georgia was flying all around the field. And, and you kind of got that 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 chills, like you said, when, when we saw Kirby come out in the pregame and say, we're going to go hunting. It kind of gives you chills right there. Because I don't know if I've seen Kirby Smart answer a pregame question, pregame interview that fast. It's aggressive, like just blurted it out. Like that kid in class, you know, you're not supposed to blurt out answers. You're supposed to raise your hand, Dan. He just blurted it out and, and wasn't even going to finish. That's all he wanted to say. He wanted to get on to the football game. And sadly, sadly, Dan, the narrative of, well, no wonder Georgia kicked the crap out of TCU. That pregame suture's fire. Well, Jordan Hill over at Dogs 247 <laughs> broke the story today. That pregame speech was not from the National Championship game. It was actually from a game earlier. Uh, hey. I don't know where that pregame speech was from, whether it was this year, maybe it could have been from last year, but Jordan Hill saying it's from earlier in the year. Georgia probably kicked the crap out of whoever they played before that pregame speech. And my God, if you haven't heard that pregame speech, Dan wanted to open the show with it, uh, but good old YouTube probably would have taken us down <laughs> if we opened the show with that clip. But with that being said, Dan, you know, I, it, it, I don't know about you, but it, it didn't really, it, it had time to soak in, Dan. It had time to soak in the fact that Georgia was going to win a second straight national championship. By the time the fourth quarter hit, you know, three zeros, triple zeros on the scoreboard, it's like, well, hey, we got to spend a whole half of football kind of reflecting on the fact that Georgia just did something historic that hasn't been done in almost 10 years. Over 10 you know, years now. The, more importantly than that, though, I, I needed that. And we've talked about this all year long, like, and I don't know why it's this way for me, but like there was like pressure this year of having to do it again. And I think more of it is that with the social media aspect of it, that, that we know that the minute we lose a football game, everybody's going to jump us. And I just did not want to have to deal with that. I didn't want that avalanche of all that crap. And it's just been building. It's like every single week. And I talked about it in a, in a previous podcast, how I just, I really did not feel like I was enjoying the season the way that I was supposed to. Um, and, and now it's over, right? The, the season's over. And I I just, I wanted to enjoy the season and I couldn't because I wanted us to win every single game and I didn't want to have to deal with the outcome of us losing. And this was the first game all season where I, I literally sat back in my chair and my body just relaxed. I just, I had a calm over me and an excitement yeah, it was just it was it was incredible. It was just an incredible feeling to sit there and watch the entire game and just enjoy it. Yeah, and kind of hit on Zach's comment. We're gonna get to this later because it, I think it is a great discussion to have in the sense that there's people in the media that are saying Georgia's dynasty now, Dan. Where and I don't I think we talked about it on the phone maybe yesterday before the game. Like, is this a dynasty? Is this not a dynasty? Like, what 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 is your definition of dynasty? To me, I kind of feel like, you know, a championship in any of the next few seasons, boom, without a question, it's a dynasty. Two in a row, 
it, it's only been done. Georgia's the eleventh program. Eleventh, it's, it's the eleventh time that a program has gone back to back. The eleventh time. Now that's that's counting. I believe Alabama did it twice. They did it back in the nineteen seventies, if I remember correctly. And this list dates back. That I was looking at yesterday. It dates back to the nineteen forties. So take it with a grain of salt. There, there was a couple of repeats in there. I think Nebraska did it a couple of times. But the eleventh time in college football's history that there's been a repeat champion. And what y'all were getting at in the comments, the DGG podcast, our friend Robert Reynolds, shout out to the DGG podcast. Georgia has a chance to go back and do it again. That's that's crazy. And we saw the curtain call. Shout out to Curry Smart. That curtain call was insane. I've never seen – I don't know about you, Dan. I haven't seen a championship game where there's been a curtain call in college football ever. Well, you've never seen a game where it was a 58-point margin either. Uh, you've, never seen, you've never seen a game – you've never seen a bowl game in the history of bowl games where a team scores 65 points. You've never seen uh, – you've never seen a game in the history of bowl games or championship games where the team who won outgained the, uh, the team who lost 401 yards. There's a lot of things you've never seen before that Georgia was able to accomplish last night, and it was incredible. It was just incredible. Like from, from the opening kickoff to the end of the game, Georgia was firing on all cylinders. I believe we – we punted once. Well, I know we punted once. They stopped us once. The only other time they stopped us is when we took a knee. Um, yeah. <laughs> that ended the the four for four touchdown streak to end the game, you know, to start the game. Georgia took a knee right before half. I believe it was. Yeah. It was just, um, it, it was embarrassing how bad we were able to just dismantle them. And, you know, like there, I I understand, and this is something I'm going to ask Aaron Murray too, because I understand that whenever you are on a game, like I know I do radio, right? So whenever we know the game is going to be lopsided, we have to try to sell the other side of it to make you listen. Because if I tell you from the jump, if you tune in to hear a game that I'm doing and I'm doing Team A and Team B, I say, "Hey, Team A is going to win by a hundred points tonight." You're probably going to be like, "Well, I guess I'm going to listen to two hits one or something like that." You know, you're going to change the channel. You're not going to watch it. So um, I understand that part of it, but like there, I don't know at what point these people actually believe the nonsense that was coming out of their mouth. Now I know there was a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, stick around to catch the movie trailer at the end of the third quarter. I know if you, um, if I don't know how many of you watched a lot of the pregame show, I, I was in and out, but early in the pregame show, Nick Saban, was really on the TCU side, and he was kind of like talking about how TCU could beat Georgia, and, and it, it kind of felt like he was taking shots at Georgia, which you would expect him to do, right? But I kind of tuned out, and then I came back. And when I came back to it, Nick Saban was on the set, and Desmond Howard was just flying off the handle about how TCU was going to handle Georgia, like Georgia was not as good as everybody thought they were, and TCU was a team of destiny, da da da. And you could kind of see that relationship with Kirby and also the fact that he represents the SEC and that pride of we are really, really good start to take over Nick Saban. You could see him sitting up a little bit straighter and you could see Saban start to get a little bit angry listening to Des talk. And then right before they went off, Saban just went on. He was like, Georgia's got a better offensive line. They got a better defensive line. They're more physical. They're going to pound this. And I was like, there it is. And, I, I mean, Saban wanted to bash on Georgia as much as he could, but he couldn't hold it in. When everybody else started bashing on Georgia and picking TCU, the the homerism of, of, of Saban came out. It was just like, like, okay, this is bullshit. I don't believe any of this stuff. Georgia's going to – I mean, he didn't say it this way, but he was like, Georgia's going to kick the crap out of them. 
And um, you knew it was coming at some point. It, it, it's funny because he basically participated in, I don't know how long game day was the other day. I guess an hour or two, two hours. I mean, he basically participated in a two-hour free recruiting promo for Georgia, which kind of shocked me. When I saw Lincoln Riley in the building, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he didn't maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe did was pants because he was in a playoff venue. Maybe he did. Uh, but I'm surprised they didn't have someone like Lincoln Riley who really doesn't directly compete for Georgia. I, I know on the national level of recruiting, they do. But for, well, for Nick Saban to step up in the plate. Yeah, his brother was coaching the game. Uh, but for Nick Saban to step up in the plate and talk about Georgia, his direct rival, someone who's going to compete for the SEC with him, compete for the national championship, compete for recruits, for God's sakes, participate in this hour-long promo, two-hour-long promo of Georgia football, that's amazing. I mean, it, it it wasn't exactly like the NFL Combine last year, which was just rolling advertisements for Georgia because you had all these dogs in there. And we're going to get to some of the dogs that are going to be in the Combine this year. My God, is it going to be another good year for Georgia in the draft? But that 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 spoke uh, – that, that was just surprising to me. And to Zach's point, it was funny. I mean, I, I don't know if I laughed harder than when David Pollock came out and said, hey, Georgia's taken over – for ba- I, 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 not a direct quote, but David Pollock said along the lines of, Georgia's taken over college football. Basically saying, Georgia's the dynasty. Nick Saban looks at him, stares at him, and then looks down and, and looks away, which – I don't know, Dan. I, I thought I remember kind of listening to some body language experts. They say whenever you look down, kind of, and body language-wise, kind of means you think it's a lie or you're lying. Yeah, I think he does not believe for a second that Georgia is better than he is. Um, I And I, I think if you were to put him on a lie detector test right now and you were to ask Nick Saban if they would have beat Georgia last night, he would tell you yes, and he would believe that. Um, and that's why he's elite. And he is elite. Alabama's still elite. I understand they lost two games this year. And I and I understand that we like to make fun of them. But they just signed eight five-stars. Georgia's never done that. The class that they have is unfreaking believable. That is a that is a national championship team. Um, now, the good news for Georgia is you've done a really great job recruiting the last couple of years. And you have a potential to be better ne- uh, next year. And that leads me directly to this. Well, if you could stop that. That would be great. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ruggsy asked, uh, was TCU's O-line that bad or um, o- OSU's really that good? Um, OSU's was really that good. Why? Because we talked about it leading up to that game is OSU has recruited at the same level that you have for the past five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve 10, 12 years. Um, OSU had every bit the talent that you had. Um, and it was going to be a game of X's and O's and who executed better. With TCU – Across the board, the only player on their team that could start for our team would be Quentin Johnston, and I have questions about that after seeing last night's game. Outside of that, not a single player on that team would start here. And now you can tell me that Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew, uh, who started at corner, who won the Jim Thorpe Award, is the best corner in the country. I'd take Keely Ringo over him a hundred times out of a hundred times. Uh, the guy is like five foot eight. Who's got a 42 inch vertical? I don't care. Keely Ringo's like six foot two, six foot three, and he weighs 205 pounds and knock your ass out. So, yeah, um, TCU did not compare to us in any way, shape, or form across the board, talent wise, and it showed. It 100% showed in the game that we had a talent advantage at every single position. And if you go back to our show last week, I said, I hate to put it on one player. 
But the best player on that team that nobody talks about is their running back. He is by far their best player. He had over, what, 1,400 yards, almost 1,500 yards. And he was a dude. He's 100% a freaking dude. And Georgia would actually have to li- – like, they would have to respect him in the backfield. They didn't respect the other guy. Did he have a couple little runs? I think he had like a 10-yard run, maybe like a 12- or 13-yard run and another one. But outside of that, I think he ended the night with like 40-something yards rushing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, Georgia sat back, and they they dared you to throw it, and then they got pressure before because they were able to – and they did blitz a couple times. Um, Smile Munden comes to mind when he came off the – if you're looking at the offensive side, the right edge, and he just absolutely had Duggins right in the face. And 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 Duggins was shell-shocked. And and I, I am 100% shocked that he was willing to admit that when he came out of the locker room to begin the game and he heard the, everybody barking at him, it rattled him. That's concerning as hell if you're an NFL team. Like, a bunch of fans barking at you, rattled you to the point where you pissed your pants on the national stage? I mean, that's like Keanu Reeves and the replacement's bad. Like, that's, uh, I mean, woo! Was that bad. real? Was that was that quote real? Because I saw that today, but... Yeah, that's real! That's, uh, yeah... <laughs> That's shocking. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan, to your credit, I do want to say, because I pulled up the stats after you said what the guys rushing yards were. You were pretty dang close. Uh, he had 59 on 14 carries, and he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. That's pretty dang impressive for what Georgia's run defense has been all year. Granted, TCU as a team averaged 1.3 yards per carry. Not very good. And, and like Dan said, if, if Ken – I, I don't like talking about injuries because it quickly gets turned into Georgia hasn't won a championship where the best player on the other team has been healthy. I, I, I hate it, and it's the, the age-old narrative it feels like. Gosh, e- even though it's only been a year since Georgia won their first. But, I mean, and Dan, you saw the McKenzie Milton tweet. I'm sure you did because I, I think everyone's seen it at this point. The, the, UCF, the old UCF quarterback came out and said if Alabama had Jameson Williams and Ohio State had Marvin Harrison Jr., Georgia would have zero championships. And see, that's a bullshit quote because Marvin Harrison had zero catches and zero yards after the first quarter. So I don't want to hear it. Um, he was completely silent and taken away for two quarters while he was healthy. So whatever, man. Um, and, and Quentin Johnson supposed to be the best wide receiver in all of college football, had one catch for three yards. I don't even remember when that was. I have no idea. Now, in fairness, he did run a post route and was wide freaking open on that uh, Javon Ballard, his second interception of the night. Um, that should have been a completion and potentially a touchdown if it was a well-thrown ball because he was booking it. Um, but, hey, man, it's part of the game. He, their offensive line could not protect him, and, and, and JDJ went Superman flying through the air and scared the piss out of him, and he threw it right to our guy. So – Hey, it's part of the game, man. If you're not ready for the moment, I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, the one thing that I would take away, and I haven't watched the All-22 or anything like that, but every, you know, Keely Ringo has caught so much crap all year long. And as far as I know, it was him one-on-one with the great one. And he held the man to one catch in three yards. So I think all of you who have been talking all that crap about Keely Ringo owe that man an apology because he absolutely shut down the number one receiver in the country. And, um, and he looked damn good doing it. Where did you go, Harrison? You just sorry, Dan. I was trying to pull up those those statistics for you on Keely Ringo, but yeah, I, we we I, I tweeted out last night, Dan. Georgia's whole secondary was playing with an edge last night. I mean, they they were pissed off. They had two games where everybody questioned them for 
what? It was a month after the LSU game. A month of just Georgia secondary can't cover LSU. They can't cover Ohio State. This, this, and that. Giving up 500 yards, total offense. Georgia's, you know, all they heard was Georgia's defense was regressing. They couldn't play at the high level. Chris Smith said it post-game. You know, that was the definitely they, they heard it. They all heard it. And they came out, they shut down what's supposed to be, in many people's eyes, the first receiver taken off the board in Quentin Johnson. I think that speaks volume for what Georgia did. Also speaks volume for the type of game that Javon Ballard had. My God. Two interceptions, had a shoulder injury that recovery. took him out of the game. But at one one the national championship MVP, you know, one of the defensive MVP in the national championship after I don't think he played at all in the second half. He didn't have to. He he, he did his to. work in the first half. But hey, you know, I we can go on and on about that, but let's talk about Stetson Bennett. You know, obviously his his most complete just game. I I think that he's had moments of other games where he was better, right? Or like like you could say in the fourth quarter of the Ohio State game, he was unbelievable. But if you go back and watch yesterday's game, he ripped some really tight freaking windows. 18 to 25, 304 yards, four passing, 39 rushing, two touchdowns, six responsible touchdowns. I mean, that's like ties Joe Burrow for the most touchdowns responsible for. Um, the guy was in complete control. I don't remember. I, I honest to God, I don't remember one bad throw where I was like, damn it, Stetson. I, I, don't, I don't remember one, not even one. Um, and he was in complete control and you could see it in his face. He he almost had a grin like that Cheshire cat grin or, or the um, just that smart ass grin on his face the entire game, um, which I'm sure if you're not a Georgia fan, you hate it. And if you are a Georgia fan, you love it. Um, but he just had that little, like that smirk on his face, like he knew he was about to do something to you that you, you couldn't do nothing about. It. It's kind of like that bully at school who gets away with everything. And that was Stetson last night. He was that bully. He held that magnifying glass over the ant and just burned the crap out of it. Um, and he just had that little grin on his face the whole game. Like when I saw that grin on his face, I was like, oh, he's about to do something. Uh, and he did, man. He just, he, and you know, I, the t- I just don't understand why people have to just rip on that guy so much. They're like, oh, my God, he's throwing the five stars everywhere. No, the hell he's not. He's got Brock Bowers. He's the only one that was a five-star. And to be completely honest, Brock Bowers wasn't a five-star at every single service. Lad McConkey, three-star. AD, three-star. Um, you know, Kyrus, I, I think Kyrus was a five-star, but he's not done anything. I mean, no, I mean, but he's not throwing the five-stars everywhere. That narrative is just so stupid. Like, it's like, do a little bit of homework. It's not even really hard to figure out. He's throwing a freaking Lad McConkey who nobody else wanted, and Lad McConkey's burning your tail. Um, AD is unbelievable, and he is—I mean, he is as good as it gets. But coming out of high school, three-star, he was not any. I mean, anybody could have had him. Um, it's just Ole Miss wanted him. Ole Miss yeah. wanted him, and, and Georgia took him right away from Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Imagine, imagine the numbers he'd be putting up in that offense. But now he's putting up numbers in 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 Georgia's offense when yeah. a lot of people said that it, it couldn't be done. Look at that. Darnell was the five-star. Not even Bowers. Bowers was the four. Thank you, Robert. DGD podcast. Make sure you guys check him out. He does a great job. Um, yeah, just – I mean, listen, our backs our backs were five-stars. I mean, if you were talking about that, that's that's fine. You can make that argument. We do have a couple five-star backs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Georgia has a lot of talent in that backfield, most of which is returning. For next season, we're gonna get into that in a little bit, but I, I, I put it in the poll, Dan, as a poll in the comment section. Not surprised about the results here. Ask, ask the audience in the poll: Is Stetson Bennett the goat? Hundred percent, yes. No shock. 
no shot there. And, and it's hard to argue, Dan. Hard to argue after after what he did at Georgia in his career from walk-on, who I know Kirby shot it down. I believe it was before the LSU game was the term nobody wanted, the quarterback nobody wanted, to the quarterback that everyone envies, the one that the haters just, just can't keep off their mind. He lives rent-free in the minds of a lot of people. And he broke Aaron Murray's single-season passing record last night. I believe he needed a little over 100 yards, maybe 70. It was either 70 or 100 yards, something along those lines. He broke it within the first few minutes of that football game. He's the first Georgia quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards in a season. First UGA quarterback ever to do it. Think about how crazy that is. Georgia's had some really great quarterbacks, from Eric Zier to DJ Shockley, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray, the guy that held that sequel season passing record. Seth Bennett's the first one to do it. 37 total touchdowns. 37. With two national championships, lost three games as the starting quarterback. And yes, my friend, Robert, Juan Daniels is the GOAT, uh, as Ruse replies. It's, it's, it's been a hell of a career for Stetson Bennett. I hate that most of it has been people hating on him, not getting the respect he deserves until he's gone. But I think that's how it, it's turned out for a lot of people, Dan. It's turned out for all the great ones. You don't really know what you have until they're gone. Now, that's not a shot at any of Stetson Bennett's replacements. I think Carson Beck's going to do an exceptional job. I'm really excited to watch Carson Beck next season. And who who knows? Maybe Brock Bowers. Or not Brock Bowers. Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton take the job somehow. Uh, you know, just surprise everybody. Have a really good offseason take the job. We don't know. But everyone's starting to realize, Dan, Stetson Bennett was not that bad at all. And right now... He is the greatest Georgia quarterback of all time. Yeah, he he is. And, you know, I, I was – the other thing about last night's game, too, is that I was really excited about what everybody else was able to do. Um, one of the things they talked about in the Ohio State game was that um, either they took Brock Bowers away or we just didn't focus on him enough. But he had a really good game, seven catches, 152 yards. Um, I don't know why I'm saying um so much. Uh, Jonathan – let us know that he was close to a thousand yards and he was really only a couple first downs away from really getting to that thousand yards. That would have been kind of cool to see uh, AD Mitchell one catch and he made it count 22 yard touchdown. That was a great catch. Uh, I was hoping that they didn't review that and, and call it an interception. But then once I saw the replay of it, because live, it kind of looked like the TCU guy maybe had it for a minute, but then once you saw the replay, you saw the AD had it, and then once they went tumbling or whatever, great call by the officials on the field. They didn't even have to review it. Lad, I, I don't know about you, but I was a little bit worried that Lad wasn't going to be healthy enough to really contribute the way that he's capable of. That that didn't happen. Lad, 588, two touchdowns, did a great job. Um, Dejon did a great job. Branson did a great job. Branson came in and was like, listen, y'all ain't playing me in a couple weeks now. And I'm a little pissed off about it. So I'm like, I am not taking a knee. I'm not stepping out of bounds. I'm not falling down. I'm going to rip off two touchdowns. I'm going to play like five minutes and get two touchdowns. And he did that. Um, Kendall had a touchdown. I thought it was a great job. Um, my guy, one of the guys that I covered for so many years, Savion Clark got in the game and was looking like a freaking dude. I mean, Savion was looking like a freaking dude. And I, that, that, like, I told you I sat there calm and just had a grin on my face. I lied. When Savion got in the game, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. That's Savion. And he got in the game. He started ripping off runs. And they were like, damn, who is this guy? I'm like, let me tell you about this guy. 
he's so good. And and I I was so happy for him um, to get that opportunity. Um, it was just it was amazing everything about it. So many guys. Bear Alexander gets in on defense, gets a sack. Um, we just had so many players get in the game and make plays. And that was one of the things that I was most proud about because a lot of times when these backups get in the game, you give up yards and, you know, going to give up touchdowns or whatever like that. No, these guys, everybody on that roster, one through 100 or whatever it was we dressed out last night, every single guy was keyed up and ready to go. And every single guy that went in played well. Like, I don't remember, like Richard and I were talking on the phone today. And outside of the, the Javon Ballard, you know, blown assignment, whether it's him or whatever, outside of that, and I mean, listen, here there was a penalty here and there, okay, but that's going to happen. Can you can you recall another play where you blatantly saw Georgia make a big error? Like, I, I mean, maybe there's like a, hey, you're supposed to have your hand here, and he had it outside. I don't know. But, like, uh, that, without nitpicking it, there – I, I didn't see anything that Georgia did wrong the entire freaking game. Georgia played a perfect game by, by Damn near. a lot of standards. Yeah. I mean, I know they, they want that touchdown back. They definitely want the touchdown back on defense because that defense didn't want to give up any points. But when you hold the – they were f- the fifth best scoring offense to seven points, that's – we'll take that. We'll take that every day of the week in twice on Sunday. I mean, Georgia has – Kirby Smart wasn't lying when he said this was his best staff he's assembled. Yes. He proved it. I mean, he proved it. They are loaded on this staff. They're losing Buster Faulkner, who many thought was going to be the offensive coordinator post-Munkin. Well, hey, maybe he still is. Maybe maybe he is still. Maybe they'll go back to him. Maybe they'll get him off that tech staff when and if Munkin leaves. But there, there's really not a concern. And I know Alabama fans, they're pipe dream, Dan, and we're going to hear about it, and we're going to talk about it probably for the next few weeks until – coaching carousels over Alabama fans think they're going to make a run at Glenn Schumann. I will be shocked if Glenn Schumann takes the defense coordinating job, a lateral move to Alabama. Why would he do that? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's an Alabama fan pipe dream. They they also want the, 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 the defense coordinator at San Francisco, uh, San Fran, um, forget his first name, Ryan's who's, who's really good, but DeMarco Ryan's. Yeah. I, I think he's going to get an NFL coaching job, but with that, well, Dan, I, I also wanted to say another thing too. That game could have been even worse because our defensive line was getting held on every single play, and it was worse than the Ohio State game. Like those ACC refs were just like, "Yeah, we're not calling it because we're afraid that Max Duggins might die." Um, because they like, like I said, you the one where I believe it was Nazir Stackhouse, maybe it was Stackhouse, or no, it was Warren Brinson. Number 78 had Warren Brinson over his shoulder, under his arm, and he's behind him holding him like this, and they don't call it. And, um, it was so bad, and it was on I every play. I think the blatant miss was the Jalen Walker blitz. That was the blatant miss. Yes, that was You know what I'm talking too. about? That was yes. brutal. But, hey, this is the Top Dog Talk podcast if Dan doesn't have anything uh, – if Dan doesn't have anything negative to say about the referees. That's – I'm just joking with you, Dan. I'm just joking with you, Dan. Hey, no, I, listen, I thought they did to, a great job of – I think they did a great job of staying out of the way, but they just they they were they, they were an a blind eye to holding. No, yeah, and thought, maybe it was maybe it was some sympathy on and, and TCU's part. They need some sympathy, hey, because I mean that's that's a that's a bad loss, and I hate it for Sony Dice in the sense that it kind of ruins. I don't. It's a I don't huge care. stain on the first on his first year, but 
and I, and I want to touch on this too for for the folks that are talking about Alabama should have been one of the four best teams in there. If we're going to question TCU's place in there after they lost in the national championship game, why are we not questioning the place of Michigan? And to go on a little tangent here, Dan, I sat here today, I posted a thread about it, about the college football playoff and why we're supposedly expanding it. If we can't get the best four teams, heck, let's throw our hands up, say we can't win with this, expand it 12 teams, so that way nobody messes up. So there's no chance the college football playoff messes it up. And then, you know, people like that in. There's a chance for upsets. There's a chance for upsets, Dan. Georgia handed over their beer and went to work and just cleaned house on them. And with that being said, Dan, I have no doubt in my mind that TCU would have gave Georgia a game or Alabama would have gave Georgia a game. That, that, that I, I, I'm not going to dispute that. They've played each other multiple times. Their talent level is the same. But Alabama did not other. deserve to be in. Alabama was a two-loss team, and no two-loss team has made the 14 playoffs. I don't know why we're expanding it if we're going to cry and moan about a national championship game where the opponent gets blown out, where it's a blowout. It it, it doesn't make sense why we're expanding it. If anything, Dan, we're just going to have more blowouts. We had two of the best semifinal games we've ever had this year, and it's the last year of the four-team structure. And like Zach said, no one said the committee got it wrong until after the playoffs on New Year's. Yes, I agree. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Just like everyone likes to to relitigate the Jake Fromm Justin Fields decision over and over and over again, it's just a continuous loop. We're going to talk about the playoffs all off season. Uh, I'm sure about it, and we're going to talk about the transfer portal. We actually got a transfer portal segment scheduled for you next Tuesday. But I, I, we got some notes here, Dan, that I kind of want to touch on before touch on before we let everyone go, guys. You're not going to have 15 players drafted this year. At least I don't think you are. I don't think Georgia has that many players eligible to go to the draft. No surprise there. You've already know that though. But let's kind of go through the holes, Dan. Let's look. Let's get an early look at what Georgia has leaving or what's expected to leave because only one of the players on the well, two of the play, three of the players on this list are confirmed. Uh, one of them has declared for the NFL draft, which is Jalen Carter. He, he announced it shortly after the celebrations concluded for the national championship game. Announced it via Twitter. Uh, that's that's one D tackle. We all expect Broderick Jones, the left tackle, to be gone. Keely Ringo, Cedric Van Pran, maybe. Darnell Washington looks likely. Kenny McIntosh, we know he's going to be gone. He's out of eligibility. War McClendon, if I understand it correctly, he's out of eligibility. And Seta Bennett's out of eligibility as well. Uh, at I think they said. Old. I think most people expect Kendall Milton to go too. I I heard it was uh after the Ohio State game, Kendall Milton said it or before the Ohio State game that he intended to return in an interview. Okay, well, but that's game. bully for us. Yeah, that that's great for Georgia. So I mean, looking at that list, Dan, I I, I think we kind of have our our eyes on where Georgia has needs, and I think Kirby Smart knows where they have needs. I I, I think the biggest thing that I would like to see addressed this off season is definitely getting an edge rusher because I think Georgia's depth has been exposed off the edge with Nolan Smith's injury. Yeah, I my question on the edge is I, I was really high on um, Marvin Jones Jr., and I was a little bit shocked that he didn't get more run. But you saw Michael uh, Michael Williams coming off the edge. Now, I understand that he's a down lineman. He's not necessarily stand-up edge or whatever, but he got a lot of pressure off the edge. It, Georgia has guys, and that, that was kind of the – conversation that we got into this offseason coming into this season is that 
Georgia has guys everywhere. You just don't know who they are yet. Um, you forgot about them because they haven't been on the field in, in a year or two. And, but they're there. And Georgia went out and got some guys in this class. And, and I, I don't – the way that Georgia has recruited, I don't fear being shorthanded anywhere. Now, the one thing that I would say, and if you talk about your list, you're talking about you're losing your left tackle, your center, and your right tackle. Um, I, what about your guards? No, I guess you'll bring them back. But uh, Mims obviously is going to step in and probably at left tackle. Uh, I don't know who steps in at right tackle, but they have guys there too. But you lost a couple linemen last year. Now you're losing three more this year. And, and you remember when Andrew Thomas's group left, we were like, man, I don't know if Georgia's ever going to be able to, because they called it what the Great Wall of Georgia, right? And they, I, they, everybody was talking about, I don't know if they're going to be able to replace it. Well, this this offensive line was every bit as good as that one. I think losing Cedric Van Pran is going to be big if he leaves because I think he's better than I anticipated that he would be. I know Brooks, if he was here, he would be standing on the table saying, I told everybody on earth that he was going to be the best center Georgia's ever had. And, and um, you know, he wanted Erickson moved out of that spot immediately. Um, but Cedric Van Pan has done a great job. He has solidified the offensive line. Georgia gave up nine sacks the entire year through 15 games. Stetson Bennett got sacked nine times. And I guarantee it, if you go back and look at those nine sacks, probably one or two of them were Stetson's fault because he held on to the ball too long. So you're talking about maybe five to six legitimate sacks the entire year. That is incredible. That is incredible. Didn't get the Jim um, War Award either, Ben. Well, that's just second year in a row. So it's what second I mean. year in a row. I don't care. Like you can take those awards and shove them, you know where. Because you 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 gave uh, you gave the kid from TCU the wide receiver of the year, right? And then you gave the the DB the DB of the year, and we just absolutely embarrassed the shit out of both of them. So, yeah, I mean, for what then? Yeah, I mean, ugh, I don't know, man. I, I I don't. I'm I'm so over these awards because it's so political and just whatever. It's just ride the tide it's whatever it's whatever who's the hot name at the moment and i don't i don't believe it um is dan rant no i am not rantless i'm gonna i'll rant on this damn awards i think the college freaking football awards are an absolute freaking joke if you look at who wins these awards is who are they playing and i'm sick and tired of these big 12 guys getting all these awards and these pac 12 guys getting all these awards they don't play anybody dude and we just exposed the shit out of them by playing them on national TV for everybody to see. You can't run. You can't hide. You had nowhere to go. We locked the door, and we beat the hell out of you. And we embarrassed the shit out of you on every single facet of the game. There was not one facet of the game, not one facet of the game that you look good. You know what? Your Aussie punter did a good job. He punted four times for 37 yards. Ours punted one time. He punted for 40-something yards. And guess what? He had never played a freaking game in his life until he showed up at Georgia. So take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. The college football awards are an absolute joke, and we just exposed everybody. Thank you. There was an impromptu rant. That's for you, Roots. I hope you're still here. <laughs> oh my goodness! But hey, that, I mean, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I, I think we've hit everything. Uh, speaking of players potentially returning, Nazir Sackhouse announced post game he will be returning next season. And if you've been watching this Georgia team, you know how big that re-addition is going to be to this Georgia defensive line. Getting their nose tackled, Nazir Sackhouse had a big impact uh, in the game. It's it, it was hard to fill in the shoes of Jordan Davis and, and Nazir Sackhouse may not be a first round pick, but my God. Has he played his role and done his job at a high level? 
going to be fun to watch him come back and really see what the defensive line looks like without a Jalen Carter. But, you know, if you've been paying attention to the recruiting trail, there are some out there that believe uh, a, a freshman, Jordan Hall, could be the next Jalen Carter. Uh, I believe he's a four-star recruit out of Florida, I want to say, that uh, has committed to Georgia, actually signed with Georgia, and will be making his trip to Athens, I believe, if you this watch summer. The, if you watch the All-American Bowl, that kid is freaking legit. And that was – a he was – he was the talk on that East team all week. Uh, we know that Brooks, Jeremiah, and Jonathan were there covering them, and they were they had some things to say too. But it wasn't just our guys; it was everybody. Everybody was talking about Jordan Hall. About he's he's unfreaking believable, unstoppable. Uh, but yeah, Bear, hey, you know what? Don't oh, please don't gloss over Bear. You know, I, I said it just a few minutes ago, Zach. And maybe you didn't hear me, but um, Bear reintroduced himself to the nation whenever he got his opportunities. Um, he's a big dude, man. He's And I'm glad he's in, in this class and on the field. And Warren Brinson had a hell of a game, too. There was a lot of guys that played. That, that defensive line had the best game that they've had all year, uh, in my opinion. Now, granted, maybe that's because TCU's def- offensive line wasn't very good. I don't I don't know. And I'm not here to debate that. But I, I what I, I am think, here to I tell you – I think Tennessee still – I think Tennessee still reigns supreme in that game. I mean, George Stevenson line at seven sacks in that game. That's pretty dang special in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it is. Maybe, okay, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> – I'm just a, a victim of the moment. <laughs> hey, it, it doesn't matter, Dan. Your repeat champion, Georgia, repeats on Monday night against TCU – I, I can't wait to go back and watch the tape from that game. It, it, it's going to be entertaining. Seth Bennett said post game, it's going to be the most fun he's had watching tape. Uh, not to the exact quote, oh. but he's looking forward to it. Uh, and also, Dan, the funniest moment of that press conference was the Kirby Smart. I'm worried about what he's going to do post game. Needs to stay away from the Pappy. Your take? Um, um, well, the funniest part of that press conference was when uh, Kirby Smart was making fun of his son for crying. Uh, about Stetson not being able to come back, and he said he's 25, he's got to go. Um, but there's an APB out on on Stetson Bennett. Nobody knows where he was. Uh, he was not available for the press conference this morning. They had to make a last-minute adjustment with a kid who doesn't drink uh, named Brock Bowers who had to sit in for him. Nobody knows where Stetson is. My guess is he's under a pile of something, whether it be women or clothes. I have no idea or – I don't know where Stetson is, but um, God bless him. I'll, I'll tell you this. Wherever Stetson's at right now, he's having a hell of a time. <laughs> hey, can you blame him? He's a two-time champion uh, with that. And with that being said, guys, next Thursday, as we said earlier in the show, or this coming Thursday, join us Thursday night, 8 p.m. Yes, 8 p.m. as we host Aaron Murray, the legendary Georgia quarterback. My opinion, or well, I'll go ahead and say it. Aaron Murray's, Probably it still is my, my my favorite Georgia player of all time. He's the one I grew up watching, and I, I'm excited to host him on the show again. So I'd see uh, how he, you know, kind of breaks down the Stetson Bennett era and, and this whole game that Georgia just played in. And there, there's nobody better to talk about Stetson Bennett's legacy here at Georgia because Aaron Murray told it to everybody before it was popular. Stetson Bennett is the greatest Georgia quarterback of all time, and it's hard to argue with him now. Dan. Tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at DanKiley3. You can find Harrison Reno at Harrison Reno uh, on Twitter. And please like and follow us. And we like to be interactive. So find us there. I hate that you put me on the spot. I'm terrible at that. 
<laughs> Dan, we're waiting on you to close it out as you usually do. National Day! <laughs>